Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. The, the crowd was frustrated. Did you guys hear that? Does that have any effect? Um, I mean, if you're going to boo, then stay on that side. So I feel if you're a six fan, you're going to boo, stay on that side. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney on the eve of Ben Simmons' bench return to the Wells Fargo Center. The last time this man stepped foot in the Wells Fargo Center uh, under an official capacity when he's not just showing up outside the building 10 minutes before the game to try to get a paycheck was Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals against the Atlanta Hawks. We will get into all of the nonsense that is surrounding this, but first we will talk about our team, how James Harden, our Joel Embiid, and our Philadelphia 76ers are continuing to progress and push along and continuing to develop that chemistry and becoming a legitimate basketball team to be excited about. And just every, oh, we'll talk about all the good stuff first, and then we will get into the negative and the nonsense. We will do a little bit of Eagles talk. Carson Wentz has been traded again two times in two in in a year basically. Uh, he's he's going to you know, he's going to we're going to see him quite often ladies and gentlemen. He has been traded to the Washington Commanders for two third round picks. So how that might he have fallen? We will do a little bit of a Philadelphia uh, athlete power rankings. I will release my first uh, power rankings of the podcast and uh, be a little segment that I continue to do throughout the uh, throughout the years, throughout the months, throughout the podcast. Um MLB and all that are getting closer. We'll do a little mock draft uh, on the way out as well. So let's get right into it. Sixers are now 5-0 and with James Harden. 5-1 and in the James Harden era. He sits on Saturday night against the Miami Heat. We will go through the, uh, the games this week. It was the second half of a back-to-back. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers came to town on Friday night. Sixers took care of business with another 125-point performance. Started out a little slow, um, and that's something I've noticed so far uh, during the early the the early goings of this uh, experiment. This James Harden era is the even the Sixers just in general. They've started out a little slow, and and it hey, they have trouble getting going in the first half, and it kind of puts them in a hole, which it's not a good thing to to. It's not a good habit to develop or to continue to allow to happen. We're going to want to break that in the near future. We're not going to want to let this continue to go on. So in that Friday night game, uh, I didn't there was a lot of uh, bad body language from Joel Embiid. He, he didn't have a great game. They weren't exactly getting him the ball in the post and getting him the ball where he likes it and, and uh, at it with the same volume that he's accustomed to. It's, uh, you know, I just noticed a lot of shrugging his shoulders, head down, throwing his hands in the air when he didn't get the ball. And, uh, you know, just not stuff you want to see from your franchise player, your best player, and the guy that a lot of the te- a lot of the guys on the team look to and, and a feed off of his energy. So he didn't have a great game, but he didn't need to. You know, James Harden, 25-11. And the real story was Tyrese Maxey going absolutely crazy in the third and fourth quarter, uh, mainly the fourth quarter, if I remember correctly. He had 33 points, 5 of 6 from 3, you know, shooting 10 of 15. It's just, you know, and then you get 
And like I told you, if we can get a little bit of production from the bench, James Harden was in foul trouble for a majority of this game. You know, you get Niang with 17, 5 of 8 from 3, and you get uh, 20 minutes out of Shake Milton, and Shake Milton looked good. You know, he looked like a very competent, um, solid backup point guard, and you know, he's very um, hit or miss in these games. And, you know, in the game where we needed him, he came up big, played defense, you know, just, did, just did his thing. And the rest of the bench was nothing at all to write home about. I mean, you know, Thibel starts, but he had zero. Danny Green had zero. Millsap had two. Corkmaz had zero. Corkmaz isn't even playing anymore. We'll get into all that. But then they go to Miami. James Harden sits as a uh, precautionary measure on you know second half of a back to back. I was totally cool with it. I, I don't. I saw a lot of um, media guys and just the fans were upset the, uh, at the fact that James Harden wasn't playing in this game. It was a you know good test, and I understand that that thinking or that thought process. But it's also these games in the end at the end of the day don't really matter. They don't, you know, we can win all these games, you know, like we did last year, get the number one seed. It doesn't matter if we get to the playoffs and we can't win. And it also doesn't matter if James Harden tweaks a hamstring and he's out for three weeks and he's hampered come the playoffs. So the most important thing is getting our two, you know, our two big pieces to the playoffs, healthy, no problems. And we can actually attack the playoffs with, you know, with malicious intent. All right, let's just say that. So. The Miami game was not good. The team did not play well as a whole. Uh, they only scored 82 points. Uh, they made a little run towards the end, got, got it a little close, but they started out just slow. They were down double digits at half. You know, again, third quarter, made a run, but then Miami pulled away in the fourth. It, it's, you know, they didn't shoot well. 7 of 41. They shot 17% from three-point as opposed to 13 of 28 from the uh, from the Heat. Uh, 22 and 15. They were double teaming, triple teaming Joel just because they could. Joel did not have a good game at all. He made, you know, went to the free throw line, didn't make any threes. Uh, you got 21 minutes from Corkmaz. Maxi had 17 with a not so great game. Tobias Harris has continued to be a uh, discussion topic and just a disappointment, I'll say, in the in the new era and in the, in the James Harden era because he just continued to not be able to. Um, blend in and mold his game around what what we have going on now. He has not been able to shoot set shots, catch and shoot threes, and yeah, he just you have no confidence whatsoever when he gets a ball on the wing or you know in the corner for a corner three. You have no confidence whatsoever that it's going in, and he can be wide open, and, and there could be no defense in the in the local area or even in, in his zip code. He's not making it. And I know he has the ability to make it, so it seems to me like it's mental right now. And that gives me a little bit of hope or confidence that maybe this could change or this is a situation that could get better. But you know, it has to get better sooner rather than later because we're running out of time here. You know, we're we're April 10th is the end of the regular season. That's the last game of the regular season. The Sixers are going to need to get. They're going to need him come playoff time. Right now, maybe not. You know, you're getting great play out of Maxi. Your two stars are starring. You're just you're going to need him at some point, and I hope he turns it around or gets gets his uh, gets his shit together by the time the playoffs come around. And uh, um, I I still believe in him. I still believe in him because he he's had a rough year. You know, his name's being circulated in trade talks all year and le- even last year, and just. A lot, a lot of turmoil. He's beefing with the fans, and it seems like he's just going through a lot of, uh, you know, extracurricular, um, 
activities uh, per se. And like I said, you know, he's he's overpaid. Everyone knows that he's well overpaid, but it, it's he's not this bad. You know, he's not this useless. He he's he's a, a solid NBA player, and I I know he has the ability to make these shots. It's just he's just not making them right now, and. He went through a little stretch early in the season. He came back after the beef with the fans, and he was tearing it up. I mean, I was at the Suns game where he scored almost 30, or he, I believe he did score 30. Like, he, he has the ability to go off and be a huge component of what's going on here. And, you know, the problem was when you were counting on him to be the the, the second guy or, the, the you know, the another driver of the offense, then it, it was a problem. But maybe that was better for him because he was getting more volume, more shots, and more post fadeaways and all that. But right you know, now it's, you know, we need you to just be the fourth guy. We need you to stand there in the corner and make a three every once in a while, play your defense because he's been playing pretty good defense. We just need that other element because, you know, uh, Matisse isn't going to make him. We can't count on him. You're a better shooter, Tobias. You're not as great of a, def- a defender as uh, Matisse Thibel. So we're going to need you to make some threes. It's pretty, uh, that's as simple as I can put it, uh, you know. Or, or produce on offense in some way, and it, that his, his production is going to have to come from shooting threes and, and making those corner threes. So, let's talk about the Bulls game where Joel absolutely goes off in the uh, the Sixers return home on Monday night. One twenty one, one oh six, forty three points, fourteen boards, fifteen to twenty seven. He goes to the line sixteen times, makes twelve. James Harden with a kind of a uh, not a great game, you know, kind of a chill, layback game. 16 points, 8 boards, 14 assists, shot 33% from the field, uh, you know, 1 of 5 from 3. Not not a great game at all, you know, let's, let's not sugarcoat it, but you don't need it when you have Joel Embiid scoring 43. And you have your other guys coming up big, you know, like your bench guy, like Niang with another 4 of 7 from 3, 14 points. Maxi, you know, not a great game again, 17, but that, that'll do it, you know, that, that, that gets it done. That's enough. Thibel with 12 points. That's huge, man. He's not that you're not expecting anything from him. So anything he gives you is uh, an addition as a plus. You know, like that's a, that's a positive. Now you know you go into Tobias Harris, eight points. You're playing 36 minutes. We're gonna need more than eight points from you, brother. You know, like that's not enough. Eight points, three boards, three assists, four of ten from three, zero of three from three point, and you. You can find videos all over the internet and everything like that where he is like, you can just tell he does not want to shoot these threes. He's passing them up. He's putting the ball on the floor or quickly passing it. It's, it's not good. It's not. We need him to. We need him to be shooting these balls with confidence. We need him as soon as he 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 should be standing there wide open, praying they throw him the ball so that he can shoot it. Because otherwise, you you might as well play a guy like Niang. You know, he's not as great on defense. Obviously, he doesn't really move that well, but. He does what he does what you ask him to do. Catch and shoot the three and make it. You know, four of seven. All we need is four threes. That's that's enough. You know, like just do your thing. And Niang's doing that in eighteen minutes, you know, so you're you're seeing a little bit and now this was uh, one of the first times you got the you know, DeAndre Jordan makes his appearance, ten minutes, that's all you really needed. No Millsap in this game, no Corkmaz. Uh only, you know, one minute of Paul Reed, which is uh, garbage time, but Danny Green gets hurt during this game. Uh, laceration to his finger, so we'll have to check in on that and see what's going on there. But Isaiah Joe minutes, you know. More Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe makes a 3-1 of 4. We're going to need more of more than that, but, you know, he hasn't played. So, and then you're getting more Shake Milton minutes. So, that that's, I'll take that any day of the week. I mean, Shake Milton has shown me these last couple of games, 
he's giving you what you need right now, you know, and the, we talked about how we're going to need a backup point guard when the buyout market was a discussion and we're, you know, what are we going to do? We, we need a center. We need a shooter. Uh, we got the center. We didn't really necessarily get the shooter, but if we can get guys like Niang and Danny Green and, you know, even, even Tobias Harris, like I've just said, to shoot their threes and make their threes from time to time, then we don't need to go out and get people from other areas. We just, we have everything we need in house. So that was the past week. Uh, you know, like I said, we still have not lost with James Harden as a as a 76er playing on the court. Uh, the only game we did lose was that Miami game where he sat out. Now, this upcoming week, we're going to have a, a Thursday game against the Brooklyn Nets at home. This was always the big game when this is the circle the calendar game before the season, or not before the season, after the trade, I, I should say, and you know, it, we thought this would be a Ben Simmons would be ready to go by now. Ben Simmons is not playing in this game tomorrow night. He's still out with his back stiffness, soreness, whatever the fuck they want to call it. He will not play tomorrow, and uh, but he will sit on the bench, and we will talk about that after I just go through these games real quick. Then they have two days off. They will play on Sunday afternoon in Orlando, which should be a win. The Sixers should take care of business against the lowly Orlando Magic. And then Monday night, they have a home game against the Denver Nuggets on ESPN. An MVP versus MVP matchup. So that'll be must-see TV, must-watch TV. Uh, I will be absolutely locked in and excited to watch that game. And then they will play at Cleveland on Wednesday. And by that time, I will be back in here to check in with you and let you know what's going on but i mean we're gonna have the we're gonna have a heat game coming up soon uh raptors we're going out we're going out west lakers clippers suns you know we'll have bucks so we're gonna have some some more tests some more matchups where we will get to see where we stack up against some of the best in the eastern and western conference now let's move on to a little bit of nonsense all right so ben simmons is coming to town all right, and that has always been, like I just said, uh, a big deal, big ordeal. And now he's not going to play, but he's going to make sure he's in the building in an attempt to use it, use this as a sort of charade or or just a pawn in his game to get his money back, basically. So he's going, he's filing a grievance. Ben Simmons' grievance expected to be filed soon with Sixers Nets meeting as backdrop. So basically. I will read through some of this, but the suggestion has been floated in league circles that Simmons showing up for Thursday's game is merely setting the stage for Simmons and Clutch Sports. Their argument when the grievance is filed, reports of an increased security presence at Thursday's game circulated on Tuesday morning, which a cynical observer would say is meant to combat the venom directed at Simmons specifically. The security detail for that game, however, has been described simply as a playoff-level crew with consideration for a number of factors, including increased celebrity presence and a large, larger media contingent, in addition to the obvious angle regarding Simmons and the Nets. Put Simmons in the middle of that storm, the argument goes, and it's believed that this will be Exhibit A in the case of why Simmons could not and did not fulfill his obligations for the Sixers prior to being traded why he was unprepared to work for this franchise prior to being dealt, and the debate over Simmons' obligation to the franchise is that will is what will ultimately take center stage, even if Simmons' side of the argument appears to be fighting an uphill battle in their quest to recoup his lost money. So, I mean, basically, like I, like I just said, this is going to be a charade for him. He's 
commenting on Barstool Philly's thing about, you know, how he's going to be on the bench and Barstool Philly says can't wait and he comments underneath likewise. So I think he's trying to generate all this hate. He's going to lean into it a little bit. Uh, you know, like, like, you know, basically like bring it on. People are going to go down there and boo the shit out of him. They're going to treat him like he is public enemy number one. They're not going to be nice to him. And he's going to make the argument, well, look, see, this is why I'd, I couldn't come to work. This is why I couldn't do this or do that or, or, or be a member of this franchise because look at the way these people are treating me. Look at how mean they are, okay? When, when they did nothing but support him and make excuses for him for five years. Oh, he doesn't need to shoot. You know, all the nonsense that we argued about for years about him and the people who defended him, which I don't even I don't even fault them because you're Sixers fans. You know, like you you were trying to look out for what's best for the franchise. Well, like you just want this kid to be a good player, a solid player, and you believed in him and his ability to progress and, and become a better player. I never actually like I wasn't of the belief that you could just learn how to become a jump shooter. And I did like I've told like I've said on this podcast a million times. It, it doesn't even matter if you learn how to shoot the jump shot. If you won't actually take it, it doesn't matter. If you're unwilling to shoot the ball, then all the work you put in doesn't matter. If Steph Curry wouldn't shoot, it doesn't matter how great of a shooter he is. He's not attempting to shoot. He never attempts to shoot against the Guangzhou Lions. Yes, he'll he'll attempt to shoot, but. Other than that, no, you're not getting a you're not getting a jump shot out of him. You might get a corner three against the Orlando Magic every once in a while. He has five total made threes in his career. People supported that man through everything. Okay? They backed him up through everything. And I imagine he has gone through some tough times personally. There's been rumors and, and, and what he's been dealing with. I don't wish that on anyone. That I but that honestly doesn't really have much to do with what's going on. I think the for you to blame the Philadelphia fans for what's what's happened or what's transpired for how you've handled the situation is it, just it, it's it's just wrong. It's wrong, and, and it's a dangerous, it's a slippery slope if you're going to start blaming franchises for the way their fans are treating certain players. Or it, he he was shown nothing but love and, and and respect, and people just wanted him to succeed here. No one wanted him to play bad or, or be be a horrible player. No one was really booing him like that during these games. I mean, they were they were getting upset with him, like, boo, like a couple boos here and there. But that that's during a, a series where you're shooting 33 percent from the free throw line, and they still like the video that the viral video of the guy literally begging, like trying to teach him how to shoot. Like that's where we were at. We were so desperate. Like please, Ben, please. Come on, man! You can do it. Like we just like that's how we felt. Like we were at our son's like basketball game. You can do it. Believe in yourself. Bend your bend your knees. Tuck your elbow. Like uh, we're we're in here doing basic free throw bullshit. I don't want to hear that we treated him horrible. We did not. It could that could not be farther from the truth. By the way, this article is all from Kyle Newbeck, who uh, a Philly voice, who is one of my favorite. Um, Sixers beat beat reporters and just he he's he's the guy you need to go to to have all the uh, all the information like this. Following the conclusion of last season and leading into the start of this season, Simmons and his representatives offered repeated fleeting uh, explanations for his desire to be traded elsewhere, and eventually those explanations changed to why he simply wouldn't slash couldn't do his job. 
Those range from alleged anger over being included in the talks for James Harden, frustration over Embiid and Doc Rivers' comments following Game 7, a back issue, and a mental health explanation that ultimately led to a team meeting with Simmons telling his teammates in late October he was not mentally ready to play. The legitimacy of that mental health claim was not and has not been challenged by the Sixers, though the two sides have even found a way to squabble over that. In mid-November, the, the athletic Shams Karania published a quote from Agent Rich Paul suggesting the Philadelphia fining Simmons was doing additional damage to his client. I truly believe the fines, the targeting, the negative publicity shined on the issue. That's very unnecessary and has furthered the mental health issue for Ben. Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul said, either you help Ben or you come out and say he's lying. Which one is it? That's what you want. You know, that, that, that I remember that at the time. Like, that's what you want because either way you're getting paid. Either he's lying and you're going to say, look, like, you can't say he's lying. You don't know that. You know, look at the way they're horrible they're treating him. And then, you know, if he's helping them, then, oh, well, he's got a mental health issue. Help him and be pay him while he's doing it. That's that's what this was always about from the very beginning. It was just about him making sure he's getting paid and getting his money. He never really cared about anything else. I mean, like I said, I'm not, I don't think, I'm not doubting you are, you're going through some mental health stuff when you're not willing to shoot a basketball in a basketball game. That's that that goes without saying. I think you uh, you're not going to get an argument from many people on that. But the severity of that mental health issue and how he kind of used it as like a pawn in this game, it's kind you know that's that's definitely up for argument and um, for ridicule. I would say. So I could go through this whole article if I really wanted to, but I'll, I'll stop right there because it's basically that's the point of it. You know, he's trying to get him. He's trying to get this money. He's trying to recoup his losses of nearly uh, twenty million dollars. Uh, I'm sure it's over that by now, but that's what this is all about. It's getting getting that money. He's going to show up this this charade that's going to happen tomorrow night of people. I, I really hope people show up and and when. They show they do the the tribute video if they do one, and that's just gonna open people up to boo the absolute shit out of them. If they show that, people should just be dead quiet. Pin drop, dead quiet. I'm not kidding. Don't say a word, and just wait for it to be over, and then just go back to doing whatever you know, like or hiss at him or something. Like just don't. I, I don't want them to give him what he wants, but also I think he deserves this. He deserves to be booed for the way he treated the the just the situation, for the way he turned his back on the city, the fans, the organization, his teammates. It, it was kind of just disgusting. It really was, and he deserves the the anger and the ire of all the people you know who supported this team for so long and supported him for so long. For him to like, just turn their back on them, turn his back on them, it's just you know it's upsetting. That's why you're going to get an emotional response. But it does, you know, it's it doesn't really matter now because I am personally at the point where I, I, I'm. You know, we had James Harden. That's I I don't you know I don't really care anymore. And I'll give I'll give a shout out to my man Nick Egan who tweeted out. I just want to go over and give him a handshake and thank him for getting us James Harden. I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. You suck. Thank you for giving me James Harden. Because we are in a better spot as a franchise that we've that we've been in over over thirty years, and he that thank you for the little help that you provided in that, and now we can keep it moving because that that's about that. He's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a spectacle tomorrow night. It's gonna be must watch TV. I am I mean it's gonna be a good game. 
but but aside from all the charades, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving versus Joel Embiid and James Harden. This is a team that, you know, like we said about the Heat and the teams you're going to want to test yourself against. This is a team that you might wind up seeing in the first round. You know, unfortunately, that's that's where the Nets are right now. You know, Kyrie just came off dropping 50 against Charlotte. So there are no slouches. You know, this isn't a team where you're just going to go in and walk over them. But it's a good test. It's a good test. And last time we were we, we were playing them, Joel was waving them off their own floor. And that was James Harden was on the team then. So, you know, like it's... It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a good test, and it's going to be something that I'm looking forward to. But I just hate that they are trying to, you know, weasel their way, weasel their bread back, make their money somehow. And it's just, it's it's truly disgusting. But that's that's Rich Paul. That's Clutch Sports. That's what these guys do. And the Ramona Shelburne's and the Michael Wilbons and all of the national media sort of guys will, will get on their soapbox on Friday afternoon and say how horrible this city is and look at the way they treated him. And, of course, he couldn't play. Look at the way they're yelling at him and booing him. And he doesn't deserve this. All he did was not, you know, he just didn't live up to your expectations. That's your fault. You know, they'll, they'll do all that nonsense. But everyone knows what the real shit is. And everyone knows that this this guy, this this kid, this child – the way he acted was childish and just spoiled brat sort of just only worried about himself at no personal accountability whatsoever. It's everyone's fault but his. And I'm just glad it's not a problem anymore. Now I'm glad pretty soon we won't have to talk about this all the time. And this, you know, we can get this first game out of the, out of the way. But uh, I'm sure this is going to be a, t- a topic of conversation again when he finally gets on the floor and plays but that's the that's the Brooklyn Nets problem they let, let them handle that let them deal with that Carson Wentz just quickly move it keep it moving since I, I spent a lot of time on that I did not mean to do that but it's just it's hey man it's one of the one of them days one of the one of those weeks this is a big moment for for our Sixers and it's just a big you know it's a big big topic of conversation Carson Wentz has been traded from the Indianapolis Colts to the Washington Commanders in the NFC East, he is back home where his career started, playing for the Wat. No, well, not not home, home, but home in the NFC East. He's been traded for two third-round picks. Look at the way how he swindled that deal, got himself a first-round pick and a third-round pick, and now that he's just been traded for two-thirds, Indianapolis is just thrilled to get out from under that and be done with it. How do I feel about all this? How how should the Eagles feel about this? Thrilled. Absolutely thrilled in my mind because we get to play him twice a year. He is not someone I am scared of or uh, in any way have fear of playing against or that he's going to run up, run it up on us or, you know, he's not, he's not one of those players. Good for him for getting another chance because it's starting. This is probably his last chance. Now he might get another, you know, ten million to back someone up, and he gets to play again or whatnot. But he's running out of opportunities, and he's running out of time because, I mean, Indianapolis was supposed to be the end-all, be-all. Where he's back with his head coach, and they love him there, and it's going to all work out. And they turned their back on him in less than a year. So it's that was very quick, very quick change of thinking and just feelings from Indianapolis and they saw they saw what we saw and they saw all they needed to see which was he's not that good 
He is a mistake waiting to happen. He's a human walking turnover. He doesn't view the field the way an elite quarterback should. He doesn't have. He doesn't make good decisions. And on and on and on and on. And he's in, and he's injury prone. He puts himself in danger all the time. And he still was doing it this year in Indianapolis. He sprained both of his ankles on one play. I've never heard that in my life. So he's in Washington now throwing a Terry McLaurin. And uh, I, I, am I scared? No. Washington has a good defense. They, they, they probably will be a good team. But that's not something. I'm more worried about us. We need to get our team better. I'm not worried about Carson Wentz or, you know, I'm more worried about the Cowboys. I'm not worried about the Giants or Washington at this moment. And there's, but the thing is with this football and right now where we're at is there's a lot that needs to be settled or handled. I mean, Russell Wilson just got traded to Denver. So that ends the Eagles pursuit of, uh, of Russell Wilson and, and Aaron Rodgers is returning to green Bay. So the quarterbacks are dropping like flies now. Russell will I'm sad about the I gave you guys the Russell Wilson on here that I, that's who I wanted that's who I was locked in on but it turns out you know the reports are that uh, he didn't the not only did Seattle not want to trade into the NFC but he didn't want to come to Philadelphia so if I find out that that's actually true I will hate Russell Wilson for the rest of his career that's just how it goes that's just uh, part of the price of doing business uh, you know good good for uh Good for Denver and good for Seattle. I think it was a trade that they both kind of made out on two first-round picks, two second-round picks, Noah Fant, Drew Locke, and uh, I believe a D. Lyman, De'Aaron Searcy, I believe is the correct. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I don't have his name right in front of me right now. But uh, a good haul. Good haul for Seattle. Seattle gets to kind of jumpstart their uh, rebuild situation. And I don't know if they're going to run Drew Locke out there right away. I don't know if that's exactly what you want to do coming off of having Russell Wilson as your quarterback. But... You know, maybe they'll be in the market trying to get someone else or trying to make a trade for a quarterback. It looks like Deshaun Watson is the the lone uh, you know the, the the lone person left at the dance, not not having anyone to dance with. So he uh, he has a lot of baggage to go with him. He has a grand jury situation on Friday that will maybe provide more clarity as to his situation or his legal dispute. But that's just something that still needs to be uh, figured out. Um, Adam Schefter was on, I think, Get Up today, and he was talking about how there's different teams that are involved still looking for him. The Eagles were not one of them. You know, I could see maybe going to Pittsburgh, somewhere like that, but I don't think they're going to give up what's necessary. The thing is, the Eagles have the ammo to make it happen, but are they willing to pay it? Is Deshaun Watson willing to come here? Are they willing to take on this baggage and this guy who is, you know, a, a disgusting pervert or a, a rapist or, you know, it's, there's, we don't know. We just don't know. And that's, I don't know if that's a guy you want to have leading your franchise or to build your franchise around, but he's an incredible player. So it's a dilemma. I understand the dilemma, but a lot needs to be settled. I am not trading for Deshaun Watson until I know what's going on. And he's probably going to be suspended for a large portion of ne- of whatever, you know, next season or whenever this is litigated or settled, he's probably going to be suspended. So that's that that's that's what that's that's the situation. And now the Eagles, it looks like you're either drafting a, a quarterback or you're running it back with Jalen Hurts. And it's starting to look like to me that you're going to run it back with Jalen Hurts and, and 
I've told you I'm not in love with that. I don't really like Jalen Hurts. Uh, I thought I saw everything I needed to see this year. But you give him the opportunity to make some advancements in his game or whatnot. But it's they had to change, they had to alter the whole offense around him last year to basically uh, hide his um, inefficiencies and his just his inability to read the field and make you know make the quick reads and throw the ball down the field. It's just that's not you want you don't want your quarterback handicapping you in that way. And that is a situation that we are in right now. Maybe Malik Willis, maybe Kenny Pickett. We 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 shall see. I I don't see them doing that or going that route, but maybe maybe you know. So let's 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 jump right into it. Let's get let's get a nice mock draft going right now. The hot take hot box mock drafts. You know we love it this time of year. I'm gonna have uh I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get some guests on. I you know I'm supposed to have a guest on, but he had a uh, a medical situation today uh, this past week, so he was not gonna be able to make it. Um, shout out to him if he's listening. Um, I feel for you, brother. I don't wanna I don't wanna put him on the spot or talk about his business, but he there was a uh, I did have someone lined up, so I will line someone up for next week to come and talk about the draft the Sixers everything that's going on he'll he'll be a well-rounded guest but let's go Todd McShay dropped a mock draft about an hour ago so this is a fresh boy um Aiden Hutchinson number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars that seems like the consensus going on uh but you know Evan Neal was supposed to be the number one that so it's going back and forth it's not exactly that one of those years where you have that bona fide prospect going in um Kyle Hamilton uh Ran a four five nine at the at the combine. That's a little upsetting, but I mean he's six four, so his size and his his IQ makes up for it. Uh, we got the offensive tackle uh, Iquano from uh, North Carolina State going number three. Evan Neal going four. Trayvon Walker going five to the Giants. Charles Cross, Garrett Wilson to the Giants. Drake London going eight. That's pretty high for Mister Mister London. Um. Kayvon Thibodeau falling to nine with Seattle, who just got that pick from Denver. The Jets are getting Sauce Gardner, who I would love. Devin Lloyd going to the Commanders. Jermaine Johnson, the second, a guy I would also love. Florida State going to the Minnesota Vikings. Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle from Georgia. That's a Cleveland Browns pick. Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. I am not familiar with him. Baltimore Ravens going 14. And here we are. We're at 15, and this is a guy who was supposed to go pretty high in this draft. Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback from LSU. We've entered the Eagles portion of the draft in which they'll make three picks over the course of the next five. April 6th is circled in the calendar for the scouts um, of the scouts for every team that covets first-round cornerback, or that covets a first-round quarterback. It's the LSU Pro Day, where we should see Stingley in action as he opted to sit out the combine workouts while rehabbing a left foot injury a bit longer. There's not, there's not a more confusing evaluation in this class. Stingley is versatile, physical, long and fast. In fact, if I were forced to choose between Gardner and him, uh, and I was basing the decision on Gardner's 2021 tape, which is excellent, and Stingley's 2019 tape, I'd take the latter. That's how good he was during his freshman campaign. So, but 2020 brought uneven play, and 2021 was largely lost to injury. Failing to quiet concerns at the combine only heightened the apprehension around using an early pick on him. All that said, he was the he has the traits to be a shutdown corner in the NFL. Darius Slay and Stingley could be one of the top duos in the league. 
Love the idea of that. Love if Stingley falls. I love a cornerback. I, I obviously want Sauce Gardner. I just I, I, I just love everything about the way he – I mean, and just honestly, uh, let me just be this surface level. The guy's nickname is Sauce. Amar Gardner, Sauce Gardner, all right? That just man, that seems like a man who's built for prime time, built to play cornerback, built to be a shutdown cornerback. Give me him every day of the week. But if Stingley falls to us, LSU corner, who's played against the you know some of the best in the nation, give me him. I'll 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 live with that. Sixteen. This is the pick we got from Indianapolis. David Ajogbo, D end Michigan. Uh, you know them. How he loves his defensive ends from Michigan, you know, I just he just loves his defensive ends, and I think he channels the Brandon Graham error when he when he sees these guys. But the Eagles were twenty nine, the Eagles twenty nine sacks last season were number thirty one in the league. Derek Barnett is a free agent, and the age is starting to catch up to Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, which everyone has said basically in all these evaluations. Ajabo has a quick first step and closes with explosion. Or yeah, with explosion. That explosion was on display at the combine, where he ran a four-five-five in the forty, and he had a solid ten-foot-two jump, uh, broad jump. His production, eleven sacks last season, will be welcomed in Philly. The only thing I did um, that that I paused for concern with Ajabo is the fact that he had Aiden Hutchinson on the other on the other side, and you know, being the number one pick, it seems like he would have gotten most of the attention that probably could open up Ajabo on the other side, but. He he seemed like a good player in his own right. I'll take it. Jordan Davis, who ran a four seven eight for a man being three hundred and forty one pounds, he's going seventeen to the Chargers. I wouldn't mind picking him either. Kenny Pickett's going to the Saints here in this one. And nineteen, they have the Eagles taking Chris Olav from Ohio State. And I will read this. I think the Eagles stick with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, which I just said. Pittsburgh next on the board is undoubtedly holding its breath here. So let's instead address another potential issue. The only team to take a first-round receiver in the three straight drafts was the Lions in 2003 and 2005. That's not good. But the Eagles could join them. They were 30th in passing yardage last season when targeting wide receivers Jalen Wright. uh, There's a a period there, ladies and gentlemen. There's a period there. So when targeting wide receivers, Jalen Rager hasn't panned out. And while Devontae Smith looks like a dynamic pro, Hurts could certainly use another target. Olav is a silky smooth runner with 4.39 speed and great acceleration. He scored at least once in 9 of 11 games last season. He'd be a reliable downfield target to complement Smith, which we, we all know that the Eagles need. And, you know, with the free agent market going the way it has, Godwin staying put, Adams is staying put, Mike Williams is staying put, you're going to need probably to draft now. Like, it's unless you want Allen Robinson or that's that's somebody that, you, that you're you going to settle for. But I think the draft, you know, being that the draft is after free agency and everything, we will have an idea of what the Eagles want pretty pretty soon you know within the next couple weeks the league year will be starting by next week the the, the legal tampering period and whatnot so we will uh, we will know pretty soon after that Malik Willis going 20 here in this draft or in this one to Pittsburgh so I would not be against picking Malik Willis either because Malik Willis uh, absolutely wowed at, at the uh, combine and he seems like a, a guy who has all the capabilities and the abilities to become a, a great player but it just you know is that what you want to do if you really you really want to rock the boat like that and and you know get it go like that's you know you can't have Jalen Hurts then you would have to move him or get it would just it would have to be the Malik Willis show at that point if you're picking a quarterback in the first round. 
So that's that. Another day closer to the NFL draft. Another day closer to the Eagles free agency. So we will have more to discuss on here. Uh, MLB is getting closer and closer. Today is a deadline, which I am not sure they are going to meet or get to. You know, with, they might have to cancel another week of games, which I've told you they don't. They don't mind at all. The their goal is to probably start playing in 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 early May, maybe the very end of April. Have their. I'm just very excited for free the free agency element of all this and just getting. Not not talking about the lockout anymore, and I'm not talking about it anymore. I'm just I'm just done. There's a lot that they're going to figure out, and there's a lot that's going back and forth about what's going to be the adjustments. And I did have a list of things that are going to be added to baseball or. Uh, tanking is going to be derailed. This is from Jim Bowden. Uh, when the deal is finally done, the real winners will be the fans. Service time manipulation derailed. Rules changes. Uh, universal DH shift bands. Pitch clock. Bigger bases. Uh, higher higher um, luxury tax, I think, and pay younger stars, be younger star players, higher minimum pay for them. Expanded postseason and full 162 schedule. I'm not exactly in love with the. Uh, expanded postseason because that doesn't really do much for me but what whatever they're just going back and forth and discussing nonsense and once the actual reports come out then that's when i'll be uh happy and when they agree to the deal and we can talk about what the what the damage is what they what's good what's bad what's not what's you know whatever so let's let's just let's just be done with it already and Flyers won two in a row. Let's get that's that's our Flyers talk for the night. So I did want to close this podcast out by giving my Philadelphia athlete power rankings. This is the first time I'm ever doing this, and I'm going to update this probably monthly, every couple podcasts to just keep the people updated on what's going on in 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 my Philadelphia sports world because that is what is most important. You know, I'm literally the number one fan of all these teams there's just no no discussion no questions asked but let's uh this is just basically a based off of not like a popularity thing but just like i i in my mind most important uh, their legacy a lot of it goes into it it's not just one thing it's just a a collection of different you know let's just say their their importance to their team their popularity has has a has a part in that their what they've done for the team in the past, um, just you know, things like that, and how good they actually are. That, that's that's a part of it too, because we'll, we'll get into it. But I have a tie at tenth. Now you might hate on that already off the off the rip, but I, I just I couldn't decide over one of these two because I don't really like the one guy, and I I don't really like the other guy either too much. But the other guy, in my mind, has done enough to receive. Uh, receive a slot in this uh, in this list so tied for 10th Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts is on there I'm not I'm not in love with that like I just said I just think he deserves it though he's done enough it's a second year he's the quarterback it, you know it that gets you a, a certain level of car blanche to get on the hot take hot box list and while we were talking about this universal DH tied for 10th with him this would be huge for this guy Reese Hoskins, Reese Hoskins last year, uh, I think the Phillies make the playoffs if Reese Hoskins stays healthy, but Reese Hoskins hit 27 home runs in 100 games last year, 71 RBIs, 
He didn't exactly have the greatest batting average, 240. But if you're hitting, uh, you know, he would have hit probably 40 homers or close to it. You know, at least high 30s in homers if he would have stayed healthy for the remainder of the season. But he just, it was a year where he's banged up. He had a core issue going on. But give me, give me that. Jalen Hurts, Reese Hoskins tied for 10th. 9th, JT Real Muto. I don't love this either, but he's the he's con- widely considered one of the best catchers in baseball, if not the best catcher. He, you know, he's paid very handsomely. He plays great defense, and he's just an important part of his team. And uh, it's just, hey, man, it's my list. Well, what can I say? That's I think JT Romuto deserves a spot on this list. Number eight, Tyrese Maxey, who probably if I made this week list a couple weeks ago, he would not have been on the list just based off the fact that he's just not there yet, but. You're going to see this guy probably skyrocket up this list and continue to make his mark in this city and, and just continue to grow and develop. And I'm just, I'm the biggest Maxi fan ever now because it, 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 he's just the antithesis and the opposite of what Ben Simmons was. And just he, the player he's become and the growth he's shown. And it's just, it, it's remarkable. And he deserves the respect, the credit, and the admiration of the fans. And he gets it. Number seven. Fletcher Cox. Now, Fletcher Cox, this is a uh, legacy pick. This is a pick where he's still an important part of our defense. Still, you know, he's been here for so long. He just deserves the respect, the credit, and he gets number seven. Maybe he should, maybe you could argue he is kind of past his prime or should be farther down this list, but you, you can put, you can do that on your list. Zach Wheeler, number six, who, you know, almost won the Cy Young this year, led, led the league in strikeouts was easily the team's best pitcher and was one of the reasons why the Phillies could have made the playoffs if they would have gotten help from other guys like Aaron Nola. But yeah, Zach Wheeler is six and he could have even been higher. That's just how good of a year he had and how important he has been to his team. Claude Giroux, the captain of the Flyers, he's going to be the only flyer on here just based off of his, off of his longevity, what he's done for the city. The amount of, you know, I mean, he played play for the Stanley Cup team when, when they went, you know, back in the day-day. So, you know, he's been here for over 10 years. It's He was drafted here. He's played his whole career here. And, and he's, you know, he's put up numbers. He, he's He was, you know, considered one of the best players in, in the league at a time. And, and this is definitely more of a legacy pick because he's not exactly having the greatest year this year, but it's not necessarily his fault because he's the the team is awful and he's not playing with the talent that he was necessarily promised or you know I mean when you lose guys like Couturier Kevin Hayes and, and we I, I'm not going to go into Flyers talk too much but that's you know I don't blame him for what's been going on I think he deserves uh, you could even argue Wheeler deserves to be above but like I said make your list you know number four Jason Kelsey He's easily the most recognizable Eagle, and he's like the face of the Eagles now. Uh, you know, Super Bowl speech and all that, and he's one, still at the top of his game, probably arguably one of the best centers in the league, and one of the most important cogs of our team. He He's just a leader, everything. He, he, he deserves to be at, at where he is on this list, and that, that's that. And here we go. This is... Um, this is where, you know, I, I, a lot of these guys could probably be interchangeable either way, but I'm putting James Harden at number three based off the fact that he's still new, st- still, you know, just he, he's new in the city. He has not earned the right to be above the guys that I'm going to name above him, 
Uh, he's still a great player. He's still an incredible, you know, that doesn't take away from him, but it's just these other guys have done more for this city than he has, and he, he'll, he'll have his time. He win a championship, and I'll bump you up. Bryce Harper, number two, reigning MVP, and you could argue he should be number one, uh, and I would I would not argue with you otherwise, but it's just a different different animal, different sport and whatnot, but Bryce Harper wins the NL MVP this year. He was incredible. He's been an incredible addition, one of the best free agent signings the, the city's ever made, and we were so lucky that he decided to come here. Bryce Harper, number two, and to round it out, obviously you guys know where this is going. Joel, Hans Embiid, the process, he is number one. He is the number one athlete in Philadelphia right now. He's the most important, the most valuable, everything that you can name under the sun. He is that. He is that dude, and he will continue to be that guy, and hopefully he gets his MVP if he doesn't get screwed by the national media and people just saying he has so much help and now he's not doing it by himself. Look at Jokic. Look at his uh, DPGY or his LLCC 112, dude. His percentage of uh, doopy doopies, you know, like whatever. Who cares? Grab your graph and go do some fucking math somewhere else. Joel Embiid, number one. That's the Hot Take Hotbox today. Thank you for joining me. Um, like I said, my name is Matt McSweeney. Uh, I will have an episode coming out this week. We're going to try and get into some YouTube action, but I'm waiting for my, um, the, I, you know, unfortunately this computer is running out of memory, so I'm going to need an external hard drive shipping in, in the near future. And, uh, once we do that, I can get underway with some more wild shit. But right now I just, you know, I don't like deleting all of my files and all my audio files and whatnot in case, something were to happen so you know like that's that's that uh ladies and gentlemen thank you for joining me uh questions concerns comments like subscribe follow me on twitter all that good stuff thank you for joining me